Theology Thursday live, Second Street Presbyterian Church, Church Cross Street from the post office where we teach, read, love, sing, pray the Bible. We want you to go deeper. We want to know more about our Lord. We come together. We're being built together as living stones. So all these things happen if you're not in a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church where they're um, trying to love the Lord together, trying to love each other together, trying to fit ourselves together as living stones, uh, as uh, the living temple of God, as the Bible calls us. Get in one. It's important. The days are evil. The time is short. So, ethics. How then should we live? So, this comes from, I'm trying to limit this to 12 minutes. My timer started. Uh, Louis Burkhoff, Systematic Theology, written about 1938. Um, this is a section that he talks about original sin and actual sin. So as we're talking about um, ethics, ethical behavior, how should we then live? How should a Christian be behave? How should anybody behave? Um, that's what we're looking at. So original sin. Let's start talking about, you know, what is that? And some people believe original sin. Kind of common error is to believe that that's uh, Adam's sin. And in a sense it is. But that's maybe, you know, the original sin. But sin which originates in our heart. There's a root of sin in our hearts. And so that's what original sin means. It's a sin that originated from Adam's sin, imputed, talk about that in a second, to, to everyone that was born from him by natural generation. In other words, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, that somehow um, he did not inherit the sin nature from that, nor did he inherit Adam's guilt. But all people are born in sin. The Bible makes it clear we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, David, in his psalm, I think it's Psalm 51, he says, or it could be 73, but he says, um, I was conceived in sin. I'm not. So that's what we have to overcome. And so we inherit the guilt, we inherit the nature, and we're imputed all the guilt is the problem. We're imputed the guilt. So the guilt is um, accounted to us just as if it was us who sinned when Adam sinned. And the good news with that is going to be because God set up his law in such a way that we have a federal headship. We have a legal representative in Adam who represents everyone that comes after him, which is all of mankind. Now, by faith, we can be adopted into God's family by being um, brought into that family through Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ, that the Bible calls, who the Bible calls the second Adam. So then when we come to Christ by faith, we um, are covered by him and we have imputed to us now, credited to us, his righteousness. Not only did we have someone who's taken our sin, but we have someone who has also um, given us all his righteousness. Fine, Kyle. Some people work, I guess. Um, original sin. So this is some Lewis Burkhoff stuff. Original sin is the sinful state and condition in which men are born. Um, this original sin is imputed to us from Adam, and it presents it. It is present in us by nature, and in, it's an inward root of all sin. So you have this. You know, we there's a saying which is. Um, we, don't, we aren't just sinners because we sin, but we sin because we're sinners. And that kind of encapsulates, encapsulates the idea uh, between um, original and actual sin. So original sin is we've inherited the sin nature and we've inherited guilt. Um, the problem then is how do we change our nature? And what we're going to see when we look at um, 
actual sins that are committed out of this nature. What we tend to do in, in a lot of circles and outside the church and a lot of times inside the church is reformation of actual sins. Stop doing those actual sins. Now the problem is, and then even a lot of evangel evangelization has to do with, um, have you ever committed a sin? And it's like, well, yeah, it's, uh, but, you know, <clears throat> what if you're not ready to admit that you've done actual sins? And what if you're able to reform your life and you do things to, to overcome? One, you can't erase things you've done in the past. They stand against you. But it's not just the fact that you've committed sins. It's you were born in sin anyway with a sinful nature. And there's nothing you can do to, um, to bring about righteousness and innocence and this is where the gospel comes in so Burkhoff talks about two elements of original sin one is original guilt and second is original pollution now this is sort of what I've talked about um, original guilt is imputed and that's imputation is where you you know somebody said something the wrong way to you and you say oh they did that because you know they just think they're all that well you just imputed some kind of bad motive to them maybe they just said it because they their throat was hurting and it sounded bad. Okay, so imputing something to somebody is crediting something to somebody, whether or not they actually have it. But we are imputed with um, guilt. So Adam's sin, Adam's guilt is imputed to all descendants descending from him by ordinary generation. Original pollution is one, the absence of original righteousness and two, the presence of positive evil. So it's not just that we lack something we need, but that we do actually have an inner impulse to do bad. Sometimes um, we don't do more evil because we don't have opportunity or there's restraining influences around us. So there's another concept that um, is in particular in Reformed theology called total depravity. Um, so we believe in the total depravity, we believe the Bible teaches in, um, outside of Christ, and without being born again, without having a new heart, then the condition of man is totally depraved, total depravity. So a couple things about it. One, it doesn't mean you're as depraved as you could be. You're not as evil as you could be. Dr. Kelly likes to point out that, um, but we come a lot closer to that than we like to give ourselves credit for. Um, so total depravity doesn't mean you're as evil as you could be. Um, it doesn't it mean that the sinner doesn't have conscious, a conscience, that um, they are aware and they try to do good things. Um, it doesn't mean that the sinner um, is not still interested in virtue, trying to do right and wrong. Um, and it doesn't mean that the sinner will indulge in every form of sin. You know, there are some, some types of sin that some people that aren't believers would never do. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it depends on what do you mean by good. So non-believers can be good people relative to society, not necessarily relative to what a holy, perfect God sees. Um, so the inherent corruption does extend to every part of man's nature. I said so anyway, so what part of you is perfect and holy? Um, even the sinner's righteousness, right? Even a sinner's righteous deeds are like filthy rags, the Bible says, because it doesn't proceed from faith and it doesn't proceed from a heart that's desiring to please God. So we have what's called total inability. And what that means is um, that a person cannot do any good in the sense of, uh, it doesn't mean that a person can't do any good, okay? Total inability, when we talk about that, we're seeing the total inability of a person to, to come to Christ on their own, to repent of their sin on their own, or even to um, reform their life to meet a holy standard on their own. Um, it doesn't mean people don't have a natural good, that they don't do natural good, that they don't do civil goods, that they don't do even externally religious things. 
Um, but things have to be, the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. It has to be prompted by a love of God. So that's what original righteous, original sin is. It's, it's inherited from Adam, imputed guilt to us so that everybody's born in sin. So um, what can be done? And then we have actual sins. These are sins, um, actions, conscious thoughts, desires that flow from this inherited evil, from this inherited heart. Um, and that sin, too, has to be punished by a just and holy God. And so we need a Savior. We have to have a substitute, somebody who can um, take that righteous, the, the, the penalty of the law, and take that upon himself. And that's what Jesus has done. That's why we need a Savior, um, a substitute for us, a second Adam, a second federal head. So no longer are we represented by Adam, we're represented by Christ. Um, and in him we become the righteousness of God. This is all stuff the Bible says. Um, so that his righteousness is also imputed to us. Not just our guilt is removed, but he also gives us, credits us with doing his righteousness. And then we also now possess the Holy Spirit. We're given a new heart so that there is to be in a believer a reformation of behavior. This doesn't mean you're, you're, you'll be perfect in your behavior. You're going to blow it. You're going to sin because we still struggle with this sin nature. But a big problem in the church, a big problem of people outside the church is believing that salvation is about um, outward and maybe even inward reformation. That what I have to do is clean up my act. I have to be a better person. I have to do better. Um, or I come to Christ. I repent of my sin. Um, I start to do better. You know, you start something new. You get excited about it. And then after a while, I kind of, you know, maybe it's like you're recognizing your sin still. You're recognizing how far short you fall. You recognize maybe it is about a little bit more than just saying a prayer and going forward. Maybe it is about more than just singing praise choruses in a church, being entertained in a worship service. Maybe it is about God dealing with me on a regular basis and me having to do with him. And then understanding and loving and going deeper and deeper into the things of God. And um, and it's like, I can't, hmm, and you just fall away. It's too hard because maybe you're guilty and you're recognizing more and more your guilt. One of the things I talk about frequently is uh, there's a standard of holiness, you know, and so we typically believe, well, are we at God's level? It's like, no, we don't, we don't rise to that occasion. So how good do you have to be? Well, if I had to be this, you know, I got to be at least, you know, this good. And so, but then what happens is you realize, man, I'm not that good. It's like, ooh, you know, further than I thought. And then God's holiness is bigger than I thought, and I'm worse. So you keep recognizing the, the distance between you and God, and then what you'll see if you don't understand the gospel is, I'm obviously not good enough to be saved. But that was the point to begin with. You're not. But then we think, well, once you get saved, now you become good enough to be saved. Like, if you were this good now, I would have saved you just on how good you are. Um, no, never. And that's a very difficult thing for the believer to get. But what you have to understand is you're always saved by grace. Um, Puritan saying is um, even our tears, tears of repentance have to be washed by the blood of Christ. If there's anything I can do to lose my salvation, I will do it today most likely. Um, it doesn't depend on me. It depends on the one we have faith in. It doesn't even depend on my faith. It depends on the object of my faith, who is Jesus Christ. So why do good? Because you're born again, you have an inner impulse that's being changed to desire to do good. So that even when we know things are right to do and we don't feel like doing it, we know we ought to and we know God knows what's best. And I have a desire to serve and to please God. And that's why you do it. It's hard. Sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's easy. But it is hard dying to self. It is painful dying to self. Um, it's difficult. And it's easy when we live in an area where there's a hundred gazillion churches just to get up and go and deal with some new people, okay? But you're still, God will bring you back. 
to where you not necessarily bring you back to that place, but bring you back to that place in your life, in your heart, where you're going to deal with things. Or you, you just you don't ever get it dealt with, and how sad is that? So um, you just need to go deeper with God. You need to be in a church that's going to go deeper with you, that's going to preach the word, train you in the word, um, love with the word, to just, you got to get into a church. And, and we try it, too, here. We're imperfect. Most, all churches are imperfect on this side of heaven. But what you have to do is you have to, you have to make sure you're in a church that's preaching the word and that you're surrounded by people who want the best for you and that you see you trying to extend grace to one another. Um, so we're going to talk about ethics coming up. We'll probably go through the Ten Commandments and just talk about, all right, how am I supposed to live? You know, so, and then understanding grace, understanding being in Christ. You're not earning your salvation. You're not trying to make God love you more. You're just trying to live out the Christian life in a way that doesn't make the world worse. You become a light. You become salt. And that is because individual Christians are changed into the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer, that's what you want by all means necessary. Amen.